Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Wow. You don't have that song on your phone. I don't know what you're waiting on. Whoa. It's that good in your car, too. Everybody lift one hand. Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. Let your word shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated if you can. Stand if you cannot. Praise the Lord. We're in the middle of a series right now. It's a PG-13 series, by the way. So if you have someone under 13, just know we may have some topics here that you might not want them to hear about yet. Um, but we have ministry available for them in our children's ministry up to, and you can keep them in here if you want. I'm just letting you know, trying to give you a fair warning. We've been talking about raising godly children in an increasingly evil society. How many of you, you're just not surprised when I, when I say that society is evil? I'm not here to pick on society. I'm not mad at society. Um, but I'm not going to lie to our kids just because society has decided that wrong is right and right is wrong. So that being said, uh, I'll give you just a little bit of a recap, kind of a, a few things. One, evil is not necessarily ghoulish or evil in its, in its, in its initial appearance. Evil is anything contrary to the voice and to the, excuse me, to the word of God. Anything. Anything contrary to the, to the, to the word of God is evil. And if, that doesn't mean that anything that you can't find in the Bible is evil. I mean anything that is contrary. Because it's one thing to, to be indifferent. It's another thing to be juxtaposed or against. And so when there are a few things in the Bible that are itemized as um, they just catch more attention than others. So, for instance, uh, sin, the Bible says by definition, is to know what is right and to not do it to him that is sin or to that person that is sin. However, there are, there are times in the Bible and areas of the Bible where things are addressed in a very... Uh, austere and dogmatic way. Now, understand that God does not negotiate. I need three people to just say amen right there. God does not negotiate. So some of the things that we, that we covered is if you're, when you're raising your kids, if you have to negotiate with them to get them to do what you have asked them to do, then a lot of times that can create some challenges in the future for them to actually be respectful and obedient to the voice of the parent that they cannot see. See, at, at, the, at the very epicenter of who God is to his children is he is a good father. So if the, the view of a parent and the reason to be obedient has to be negotiated then it's going to be very challenging for your child as they grow older to hear the voice of God and just do what God says. Does this make sense? 
So you want to set them up to be quickly obedient to what you're, what they say. And don't, don't make the word obedient some heavy, dark, you know, thing like, like, like nobody, nobody's talking about uh, any element of, of being firmer than necessary. I'm talking about the reason that sin is on the planet is because Adam and Eve did not deal with God's no. It's not because they couldn't deal with God's yes. Who in here has a kid that, that struggles with dealing with yes? Come on, you're the parent. And, and it wasn't a mistake to put your, your kids in your house. You're the parent. So you got to consistently go through the filters of, am I asking them to do something because I'm angry or frustrated or am I asking them to do something because it's the best thing? And if you're just doing it because you're angry and you're frustrated, then you need to make some serious changes. But if it's the right thing and it has their long-term interest in mind and it's congruent with the word of the living God, listen, if it takes you 18 years to do it, then praise God, he gave you 18 years. Because time is of the essence. So when you're, when you're raising your kids, you have to understand God doesn't negotiate. God does not, God does not, listen, let me tell you what happened. God told Moses to walk into Pharaoh's house and say, let them go. And Pharaoh said, no. And he said, okay, here it comes. Because God's not a negotiating power because a negotiating power would indicate that somebody else or something else has a power that might even be close to a balance with God and there is no balance of power in the heavenlies. God is and everything else is subordinate to Him. We worship God because we want to and we get to. But there's a day coming real soon when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So in, in the process of this, you have to understand evil is contrary to God's word, whatever that is. Just a, just a couple of things real quick. I'm not going to hit on these hard, but I do want to point them out to you so you can go back and listen to these messages if you didn't hear them. You're going to have to, in this day and age, you're going to have to explain to your children, according to the word of God, that there are only two genders. And you're going to have to explain this to them because you are now complete. If you are a Christian, a Bible-believing uh, Christian, society has placed you in this position. You didn't place you in this position. Society has placed you in this uh, position where now you have to explain this. You, you don't, and, and if you do not do this, now you got to make sure it's the right age and, and, and make sure, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to bring something up too early. But if something is brought to them too early, you got to address it. And you got to explain it. You got to tell them, look, well, cause, cause here's the way the question is going to, going to rise up. Well, I know this other person that says something different and they're very nice. Well, here's the problem. Evil does not mean ugly. Evil means contrary to God's word. The enemy doesn't come in through the front door. He creeps in unaware and disguises himself as an angel of light. That's why you and me have to take a heightened standard here or we will lose the standard. And when the standard was lost, it was fire and brimstone in the Bible. Amen or oh me. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell the truth whether anybody shouts. I don't care. The truth of the matter is there's only two genders. 
And if, if you perpetuate that or even begin to tolerate that as a discussion of fact, sooner or later, your kids are going to be convinced by somebody else who's already more prepared than you are to have the conversation because they are spending billions of dollars to try to make this a thing. It might be a thing, but it is not a thing in the kingdom of Almighty God. I promise you that. I'm not mad about it. Anybody watching this feed? You, you know, God loves every single person. There is not a but to that. There's not an and to that. God loves every single person. But our God has standards. Who in here has ever been to a restaurant that had a sign on it that says, no shirt, no shoes, no service? It's called a standard. They're not saying you can't eat their food. They're saying you can't eat food in their restaurant, bareback jack. It's called a standard. Everybody wants everybody else to, to, to have, to, to be subject and submitted to their standards. Our God has standards. We didn't set them. That's the other thing. Like we didn't make them up. We didn't get together one day and say, let's pick on a group of people. These are the, these are the statutes of Almighty God. And, and, and when you're raising godly children in an, in an increasingly evil society, you have to understand where sin abounds. Listen, grace does much more abound, but the only way you'll, you'll be free is you have to know the truth and the truth will make you free. So you and I have to take the step and say, let me tell you something. You're going to hear this at school and I don't want you to be rude. I don't want you to be ugly, but don't you ever think that that's correct because God's holy book says something else and everybody else can live how they want to live. But we in this house, this body of believers, that's how we, remember Joshua? He said, as for me and my house, we shall serve God. He didn't say, as for you and your house. I'm not telling you what to do. We're not walking in and telling everybody how they got to live. I think freedom's not freedom if people can't act how they want to act. It's not freedom at all if you can't act how you want to act. But you can't act how you want to act and then make everybody else wrong for saying, no, 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 a spade is a spade. There is right and there is wrong. And so we're not trying to make... Listen, again, our hand was forced. I grew up, I was in a couple of little scuffles. Some of them, I, you know, whatever. Most of the time I, I had... I did, I did okay. Come on, somebody. But, you know, there's a few of them I didn't even want to be in. There was a few of them I didn't even want to be in. I, I remember one time I was on the ground rolling in a pile. And I, I'll never forget, I had the epiphany. I'm in a fight. It didn't dawn on me when he pushed me. It didn't dawn on me when everybody piled up around us in a circle and started screaming, fight, fight, fight. Y'all remember those days in school? When I was in school, if you got in a fight, it didn't mean you didn't have to go to school anymore. It meant you got to go to school. You just didn't know if you got to sit down in school. Ah. I'm not saying it was right, but everybody in the doggone school somehow had the right to hit you. I was like, man, I don't know about this. My parents had another rule. You ever heard this rule? They called them licks when I was growing up in school, and athletics in particularly. You about to get some licks, Hallam. That's what they'd say. And it wasn't like ice cream. You know what I mean? It was a board. A board. 
somebody went and hit my kid with a board today, oh my God, I'd go crazy. But back then, it was just the way it was, you know. You'd be in school, and you want some licks out? I'm like, no. And it wasn't because I was scared they were going to hit me. It's because of what my dad said. My dad said, whatever you get at school, it's going to be double at home. I was like, huh. <laughs> That'll change that. That'll change your little, your little tood pretty quick. <laughs> I guarantee it. But in, in, in the process, you know, I got in a couple of little scuffles. Most of them I didn't want to be in. Well, I don't say most of them. Some of them I didn't want to be in. <laughs> I'm just trying to be honest from the pulpit. Some of them I, I laid the, I laid the stage for it. I was like, okay, you and me today. Ding, 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 you know. But my point is this. We didn't ask for this fight. We didn't wake up and go, oh man, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about genders. But if we don't now, we're risking the future of our offspring. And the worst story in the Bible would have been Noah's Ark if his sons weren't on the boat. Because heaven is not heaven to you if your kids aren't there. Just let that sit in your spirit for just a second. You ever, you ever been told you can come but your kids can't? Well, I'm not coming. Praise the Lord. I'm not talking about like an, you know, an adult event, you know, whatever, black tire, whatever. I'm just saying if your kids can't come, you probably don't want to be there. We didn't, we didn't ask to have to address these things, but now we have to address these things. We have to be clear. So, so a lot of this is in those previous weeks. This is our third installment. And I want to cover just a, a couple of new things, a couple of new things today. If you're taking notes, this is a good time to start. You have to teach them why. Because what won't hold you? You have to teach them why. Because what won't hold you? I've used this example before, but it's really worth noting. If, if, if there was like a, a swimming pool filled with snakes. I'm talking about cobras, rattlesnakes, water mussicans. Come on, somebody. Copperheads, coral snakes, and then even some non-poisonous ones just to freak you out even more. Big anaconda. Would you jump in that water? That's what? Of course I wouldn't do that. But if your kid was in the pool, I just, I'll tell you what just happened. I saw like six moms and their eyes went black (laughs) and rolled back in their head while they were picturing tearing snakes in half with their bare hand. Not my baby. I'll take it right now. You she bears. I know about y'all. My wife's the sweetest thing on the planet unless you cross one of the kids. 
Then all of a sudden, she's like, the sweetest thing on the planet. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Do you understand now the why greatly outweighs the what? You would not give one thought into jumping into raging rapids to save your kid. You wouldn't give one thought, sir, to jumping into shark-infested waters to pull your wife out. You wouldn't even think about it. You'd be in it instantaneously. That's because the why is what drives you, not the what. And if we focus on the what, we land on religion. Because religion just wants to tell you, you can do this and you can't do this. You can do this and you can't do this. One of the biggest things the Pharisees, and that's the people that really complained about Jesus the most. One of the biggest things they talked to him about was that he would heal people on the Sabbath. Or that his disciples would pick a, a, an ear of corn on the Sabbath. They said, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And he, he said, I can't believe you let him do that. And the Lord says this. He said, you don't understand. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was made to let you know that your body is tuned to a point that you can't just run it at red line indefinitely. How many of you, you ever heard that saying, you're either going to uh, uh, make time or time's going to be made for you. Like you're going to have, you're going to have to decide to turn it off for a minute. You're going to have to, you're going to have to decide. You can't just run anything at, at the, at the peak of its effort indefinitely. Sooner or later, you've just got to rest. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. God doesn't like need us. To, 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 to not pick corn that gives him glory. That's what happens when the what is more important than the why. He said, if your, if your, if your ox fell in a ditch, wouldn't you pull it out? He said, well, they were like, well, yeah, I'd pull that out. Well, that's because the why just immediately outweighed the what. So you and me, we have to teach our kids the why of this. Not just the what. You can't just sit there and, and, and tell them, well, this is how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. This is how it's going to be. Sooner or later, you're going to have to explain to them, this is why we do something. And that means they're going to have to see that you are not two-faced about it. I don't mean this to be too, too direct, but we only have a half hour or so. And I don't want to, I don't want to leave you in, 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 a, in a way that there's any uncertainty here. Kids are smarter than you think. Like if they see you act one way and then say something else, they pick up on that at a very young age. There are, there are psychological studies out there, out there that say that the general, uh, uh, the general value system of a child that is raised in a household is set before they are four years old. Their value system. Because they see if you're honest or not honest. So let me just give you a couple of things. You cannot lie to your kids and raise godly children in an increasingly evil society. You cannot lie to your children. You can't lie to them about, I'm going to give you a lollipop if you do this. If you don't, if you're not going to give them a doggone lollipop. The world's going to lie to them indefinitely. You don't join in that chorus. So you got to make sure that what you tell them is the truth. Now you, you can, you can determine when you tell them the truth. 
So they ask you a question and it's not time, it's not the right time to answer it. You can say, I'm just going to share that with you a little bit later. But don't lie to them. Don't, don't, don't make, don't put them in a condition where a reasonable person would question whether or not you've actually told them the truth. I'm not saying it has to be this way. I'm just telling you, Crystal and I made the decision when our kids were infants that we weren't necessarily, and again, everybody can make their own decisions here. I'm not trying to make this a big stance. I'm just telling you, I'm not going to lie to my kids about anything, including things that society just gets big kicks out of. So like, I'll just give you one because I don't want to like name the big ones because some people will just faint. The tooth fairy. I'm not telling my kid that somebody flies in my house that you can't see, <laughs> lifts up their pillow and puts money in instead of a tooth and then puts the tooth in a Ziploc baggie in mama's sock drawer. <laughs> I'm not mad at anybody if you want to do it. I've just look me right in my face, please. I've seen too much of the supernatural to talk to them about things that just aren't true. Because the next iteration that I see is somebody saying, well, you know, demons aren't true. Because if a demon's not real, then there's no angels. You see how this just dominoed? So I, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not, you gotta, you gotta set your own standard there. I'm just telling you, there has to be a radical commitment to truth in your household. That means you don't, you don't go and, and, and try to buy something dishonestly. Stealing, duh, don't do that. But I'm saying like, like have faith to believe God will help you and supply your needs according to his riches and glory and quit trying to manipulate everything to get 10 cents off of everything. If it's there, it's there, but, but your kids will see that. They'll kids, your kids will see you. Our God will supply our needs according to his riches and glory in Jesus name. And that's the way it's going to be. And, and, and you're at the grocery store banging on, on, on canned corns to make them dented and go, this is dented. I should get it cheaper. You dented it. They can't see two faces and not, and it not affect them. Don't, don't, don't try to lead them one way with your mouth, but your actions are leading them some other way. You want to raise godly kids, you actually have to be godly. Because they don't do what you say, they do what you do. You want your kids to not smoke, don't smoke. You want your kids to wear their seatbelt, wear your seatbelt. You want your kids to not drink alcohol, don't drink alcohol. You don't want your kids to smoke dope? Don't smoke dope. And then tell them, we don't smoke dope. We don't smoke cigarettes. Not mad at anybody who does, but we don't do it. I remember my little kid, my little boy, he said, the first time I asked the dad, what's that then? I said, that's called a cigarette. He said, I like to call them smokers. Said, no problem. That's a smoker. I don't care. He goes, I see them laying everywhere, dad. He goes, yeah. He goes, he goes, what, why do people do that? I said, well, it tastes good. Helps people kind of calm down a little bit. You know why I'm saying this? Because I'm not a liar. People don't smoke cigarettes because it's not fun. 
It's just not fun to be hooked. I said, I said, whatever. I said, some of them even taste different. Some of them taste like a mint. Oh, this is, this is a holy room, Jake. They're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Pastor. Cigarette tastes like a mint. I don't know. That's weird. I don't think so. It's crazy. Some people, it helps calm them down a little bit. Really? He said, he said, he said, do we smoke? I said, oh no. I said, why not? I said, oh, it causes cancer and kills you. He's about four when I tell him this. Because I'm not going to wait just because I don't want to talk about it if he's already seeing it. You feel me? You feel me? You see how cool I am, Jake? You feel me, dog? You feel me? About that life. You feel me? And so everybody, now we're driving. He's like, whoop. There's another one. I'm like, another what? Another person going to die. I'm like, well, it's not necessarily today. He's like, but they're going to die, right? I'm like, they're going to die. I said, I said, and I tell him, it's a lot of good people do things. I said, I said, it's not like, it's not like smoking is, is like, you know, the end of the world. I said, I said, a lot of people that smoke are going to go to heaven. They're just going to get there a lot quicker. So we're walking into a store. And this guy's smoking a cigarette. And he, he says, he says, my little boy, four years old, the time he's, he was old enough to breathe, I've taught him to walk up and, you know, stick his hand out and introduce himself to people that were around. So he walks up. He goes, how you doing? I'm Walker Lee Hallam. He's this big, he sticks his little paw out. And the guy's like, and you know, he's mid, he sucks in the smoke, you know what I'm talking about? And he's like, now, he loves my son who he's never met enough that he doesn't want to lead him in the way he shouldn't go, but he's having trouble loving himself enough to stop. That's why Jesus said, you love others like you love your so he's got his hand back and he's doing that, you know what I'm talking about? Trying to like blow it behind him so he's not blowing smoke on my little boy. And my little boy says, you know, that'll kill you. And the guy standing there, cigarette behind his back, he looks over at me a little perturbed. And I said, darn sure will. Graveyard dead, that'll kill you. I said, that'll put cancer in your lungs and all kind of everything. I said, not only is it killing that, it's probably killing your finances too. I said, you ought to put those cigarettes down and never buy another one. He goes. <laughs> he said, I've been trying to quit. I said, we'll believe God with you. So I know it's a funny story, but I'm not going to lie to my kid to make this guy who's made a decision as an adult feel better about rolling in the mud with the pigs. My son, my daughters, I'm not lying to them. So you got to make the decision. I'm just not lying about anything. I'm not going to lie to my kids. And 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 I know it sounds like super easy. Like, of course I wouldn't lie to my kids. Uh, until it's like 930 and they're still up. 
And then you start promising everything. Well, I'll go to bed if we can go to Disney next week. We'll go to Disney next week. Go to bed. Don't lie to them. I might just say this. Don't lie to your kids in Jesus' name. You got to tell them stories. Everybody likes a good story. A good preacher ought to have a couple of good stories. There's no story better than the story of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you and for me. That's not the only story in the Bible. Tell them stories. You'd be so shocked how much God will speak to them through those stories. So when you're sitting there, instead of constantly talking about current events, you're totally authorized to tell them about a young shepherd boy who stood up for God and fought a giant. Whatever story you know, tell them the stories. The Bible says in Psalm 105, don't turn there for the sake of time. It says, make known his deeds among the people. One of the reasons people hate God is because they don't know him. One of the reasons they don't know him is because people don't talk about him. In your own house, is the you have this beautiful fertile ground that you get to just tell stories. Did I ever tell you about uh, uh, Adam and Eve? Did I, did I ever tell you about Noah building his boat? Because what it will do to you, it will also put uh, some onus on you that you'll actually go and begin to study those things out. Because the next thing's going to happen is they're going to say, well, what kind of slingshot was it? How tall was the wall at Jericho? How wide was it, Dad? How wide was it, Mom? You mean Jonah was swallowed up? He was swallowed up. And then next week, you get to ask, you get, instead of just telling them a story, now you get to ask them questions about the previous story. What was that guy's name that was swallowed by a fish or a whale? What was his name? Jonah! His name was Jonah! That's right. Another, another just little example. You know, whatever, whatever part of the Bible you know right now, number one, you should know more later. Somebody say amen. A little Bible trivia. Hey guys, we're gonna play, we're gonna play Bible trivia. This works with the old ones and the young kids. The, the problem is I'm running out of, I'm running out of questions for my, my oldest. My oldest is like a walking concordance now. She'll correct my questions. Daddy, I think what you meant to ask was, don't speak for me. I was testing you, you passed. You can just have a little Bible trivia. What's Jesus' mom's name? Mary. What's Jesus' Jesus' cousin's name? You start going through these questions, and, and sooner or later, it starts to really stick. But it happens because you're telling them stories. What you're really doing is you're wetting their appetite. Now my kids say, Daddy, you told me all about Daniel. Where do I find that? Daddy, you told me about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where do I find that in the Bible? Where do I find that in the Scripture? Because you've wet their appetite. You've wet their appetite with, with stories. In other words, you've told of the deeds that he has done to the people. Can you say amen to that? All right, flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 
2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Let's start around verse 11. I still got a couple minutes. I just keep hearing something back there. Can you check and make sure? Thank you. We take security very serious around here. Give me a thumbs up if we're thumbed up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 11. The Apostle Paul, this is part of a letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth. And it's, it's very important when we're raising our kids to understand it's okay to not be like everybody else. It's okay to be effectively against status quo. Does that make sense? So the Apostle Paul's writing and he's talking to the church. He says, he says, our mouth, he said, Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you and our heart is enlarged. One translation says, we have spoken freely to you and our heart or our love is wide open to you. I'm going to read this in the New English translation. It says, our affection to you is not restricted. But you are restricted in your affections to us. Therefore, for a recompense or a fair exchange, I speak as I'm speaking to my children. You also, King James says, need to be enlarged. New English translation says... You need to open wide your hearts to us also. The Apostle Paul said, I came to you and I didn't restrict a single thing. When I said I love you, I meant it. It was nothing withheld or restricted. But experientially, I'm seeing that there were things that are, that have been reserved in your love in the other direction. So he's, he's building to a point because he's doing by example what he expects to be done. So he says, he says, it's important that there's no restrictions in how you're living as well. He says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, the only time most Christians hear that quote is when it's talking about getting married. But it's not, it's not even referencing marriage here. It's talking about stop spending all of your time with people that are contrary to your faith. Everybody say, oh me. We didn't write the Bible. You say, well, what about witnessing to people? Duh, it's called witnessing to people. But most people are willing to forsake the gathering of the saints long before they're willing to forsake the gathering of the world. And then you get attached to, committed to, connected to, People that are not believers and are not living their life in congruence with your life. And it is radically confusing to your offspring. 
for you to come and to be at a place like this or to, to celebrate God for, for a segment of time or segment of your life. And then, then you're attached to these other lifestyles that, that are constantly trying to figure out how far you can go in the gray and still be saved instead of trying to figure out how far can we push towards the Lord and still have one foot on earth. He said, he said, don't be unequally yoked together. Business people do not get in business, a business relationship like that with somebody that, that, and I'm not talking about like investing from afar and all that other stuff, but I'm talking about if it's going to be, I'm sitting next to one another side by side. Listen, you don't want to sit there and get in business with somebody that doesn't have at least a congruent mindset that you have. I promise you'll pay for it later. I've had radically successful business uh, partners and I've had business partners that I couldn't trust to walk across the street without lying. And it was because it was an unequal scenario. My commitment level was so radically higher than their commitment. It was unequal. The scripture says, what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? Everybody say fellowship. That, that's talking about communion, participation. Um, the same word is used for intercourse at times. Like it's talking about that, that, that intimate, intimate, koinonia-esque. It's another Greek word. It just means that, that radical partnership and fellowship. What does unrighteousness have with righteousness? You, you have to understand if, if it becomes, we're, if it becomes, we're all the same. You ever seen those pictures where it's like on, on the bumper sticker, it says coexist and it's like four or five different religious symbols and everybody thinks it's real cute. Couldn't be more evil. Because what it does is it acts like Jesus is the same as Buddha. They're not involved in the same conversation. Buddha is a man. Jesus is a man and God. And you can go find and dig up Buddha's bones if you want to today. Go find Jesus. Like that's our trump card. Our king's alive. So the scripture, it says this. Almost done. Y'all lock in. This I, I really, I sense a gravity in this, but... I don't want to take, I don't want to take too long, but I want to make sure that we, we, we understand what we're reading here. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness and what communion does light have with darkness? If you have swallowed the lie that you can keep the same lifestyle you had before you were born again, I just need you to know that is a lie. Jesus never one time says, I set you free and now I want you to go and sin some more. You were not freed, uh, you were not freed from sin to sin. You were freed from sin. The bondage of sin. And sin is that three letter word that sends people to hell every single day. And you and I have been set free from it. But if we do and act like the world, not only are we going to lose some of the people that we should have influence with, we're also risking our children seeing a double-minded person. And a double-minded person is unstable in all of their ways. And sooner or later, they got a question. They got a question. Which way is it? Who's Which dad is showing up today? Listen to this. This is, this is just radical. This is radical in 2021. 
What, con- what concord, and concord, uh, it's, it's the same word for an agreement. What agreement does Christ have with Belial? Which is another word for the devil. What agreement does, does Jesus have with Satan? I'll tell you, none. He's under his foot. What part has he that believes with an infidel? Infidel means an, an, an unbeliever. What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? And I'm not talking about, you know, anybody in particular, but at, at, at what point did the church decide to emulate the world? Instead of the world emulating the church. I'm not talking about methods and, and, and technology. But at what point do you have to sound like the world? At what point do you have to look like the world? You can't find that in the Bible. What's in the Bible is you are rescued, be a rescuer. Not you are rescued, now go roll in the pit with the pigs. The, the story of the prodigal son is beautiful when the son comes home. But the hard part is when the father knew even if he leaves the house, I'm not leaving the house. That's the hard part. The hard part is when you're watching somebody from afar that you love. And you still go, no, better is one day in his corpse. This is real life. But if you're going to raise godly kids in in, in an everly increasing society, you're going to have to get to the place where you realize your responsibilities to them far outweigh any of your responsibilities to a casual friendship or relationship or coworker that you have. Your reputation at the little league is not more important than how you raise your kids. If it's godless and filth or otherwise and you don't stand up, your kid's going to look and go, well, how come you're so passionate at home? But out there when everybody was talking crazy, you let all the kids hear all those dirty jokes. What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For you're the temple... Of the living God. See, this is why he had to go ahead and explain it. Is because when he said, what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? Everybody pictured the temple. But then he said, you're the temple. Why is there an agreement with idols? The Lord said, I will dwell in them and I will walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 17. Because of all of this, wherefore? Because of everything I just said to you, the apostle Paul says. I'm talking about raising godly kids in an increasingly evil society. Because of everything I just said, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And don't touch the unclean thing and I will receive you. 
If there's ever been a day in your children's life, in my children's life, then they need parents to come out from among the world and to say, we don't do certain things. We do other things. We don't talk like this. We do talk like that. They can't see it as if we just come to a club on a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night, but Tuesday through Friday or Monday through Friday, we're all just the same. And we all put them all in the same basket because the world wants your king in the same basket with graveyard dead Muhammad. That's how they want to talk about him. And if you sit there and allow it to just be case Sarah Sarah, because the reason they want that is because if everybody's the same and it's all the same, then evangelism is for naught. And if evangelism is for naught, then we're not talking about Jesus. And if we're not talking about Jesus, the people that we talk to that we love very much, when you and I take a right and head into glory, they're going to take a left and they're going to look you in the face and say, you knew that? And you didn't tell me because society wants to call it all religion. And now they'll even use the word different people of different faith. There is only one faith. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe it to that place, then you need to go to him and say, Jesus, I got to find in your word where this is accurate because there is a bleeding and dying society that needs somebody to tell the truth. When you have children as low as four and five that have parents that are allowing them to do such godless, crazy things that they will spend the rest of their life confused if a Christian doesn't tell them about a king that will give peace to their mind. It's, 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 it's a coming out season, but it's not like what the world thinks. It's coming out from among them. It's waving the banner of righteousness. It's holiness because our God is holy. Not holiness because there's some rule book that has to be followed. That's who He is. It's a shift. If they're not God-centered people, then I don't want them in places of authority. If there's not another option, then you make the best decision you can, but you don't sit there and, and, and pacify what the word says because the world has become so loud. You can't make the word a whisper while the world is shouting. It requires a coming out from among them. And I'm going to tell you what will happen with your friends and family. Some of them might not understand it. Some of them might not get it. But before God, they will respect you. And sooner or later, this same truth that was awoken in you when the scales fell off of your eyes will come alive in them. I leave you with this, but it'll never happen if you're just like them. Somebody's just got to come out and say, I'm not going back. Oh, okay, Sarah, Sarah, live and let live. It's not what the word says. It says, go into all the world and make disciples. 
You're never going to make a disciple if they don't know his name. There has to be a shift. The seasons and the times are different now than they've been at least in my lifetime. And if we continue as if it's just another day, the die has already been cast. The shift has already been started. We just have to respond. I don't think it's any coincidence that the Lord told us that this was the year of the arena. You're going to have to get off the sideline and get in the game. But it starts with coming out from among them. The enemy wants us so focused on geographical pride of exactly where we're from. Or pride in exactly how we were born, whether it be an ethnicity or a heritage. But this kingdom wants you to have more emphasis on what you were born again into over what you had no say in, what you were born into. See, nobody gets born again that doesn't want to be. That was your choice. But if we keep staying where we were, just because my family does it, my friends do it, it's the normal in this area. It's the normal in my background. Your kids are just sitting there scratching their head going, you said this. But I see this. Somebody say, come out. You got to come out from the world. Completely different. Can you say amen to that? Give God a hand of praise this morning. Stand to your feet. I'm done teaching. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.